Hey, Corey. Hey. Would you say you're a healthy guy? I think I do all right. How about you? Healthy as a whole. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'm Josh. He's Corey, of course. And joining us today from the band A Common Crown, we've got guitarist Kyle Matovic. Kyle, what's going on? Nothing, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm uh, pretty stoked to be here. So here's the great irony of this show is that we're, we brought a guitarist on to talk about health. How's that make any sense? <laughs> uh, so Kyle is not only uh, a guitarist in A Common Crown, he is... Uh, he is very much a, I don't know how to put it, like, uh, I, I want to say health nut, but I feel like that's kind of a put down. What would you mm. describe yourself as? Uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, I call myself an athlete, although people take issue with that because I hate sports. But uh, I mean, <laughs> if you consider somebody that like lifts weights and tries to chase goals in the gym, an athlete, then I'm an athlete. Um, I, I definitely so. research nutrition stuff quite a bit. Because, um, you know, it, it, it took me a while to find out what was going to keep me healthy. And, you know, we can kind of get into my background surrounding that and like kind of how I got to where I am today. Um, so I don't know, health advocate, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know, health advocate or, or a uh, athlete. I never really think nicer. about that one too much. <laughs> that's a much nicer way of putting it. Another uh, thing that's interesting is I there's two people in my life I know who I would say dislike sports. And that would be. You, Kyle, and you, Corey, which is very interesting. <laughs> I, don't, I wouldn't say I dislike him. I just don't watch him. Like, yeah, the only, that's the only thing I watch is MMA. I just, I like combat sports and, and that's about it. Other, other than that, I, yeah, I steer away from them, man. It's too much to learn. It's too much to know. Everyone else knows so much about sports. Mm-hmm. Just can't yeah. keep up. Dude, you know what? That's the way I feel about like religion, sports, and even like guns, which, you know, I'm a crazy libertarian, so I should know all this stuff about guns. I'm like, yeah, like I hear people talking about like religion and guns. I'm like, I I just have no clue. Like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Well, you fill it with nutrition and you know a lot about cars and I guess music. Yeah. You can't be, yeah. I mean, you can't know everything. It's just, it's impossible. You're, you'd destroy your brain if you tried to, to figure out everything, but everybody's got... I feel like everybody's got like three things that they know kind of inside and out. And Mm. for some people, it might be whatever politics. Some people, it might be biology. And for some people, it's like me, it's sports for you. It might, it's health for Corey. It's being an idiot. I don't know. What do you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like as of late, I can't say I keep up with all the, you know, the current thing, quote unquote, um, you know, obviously I talk about politics quite a bit on the podcast, but like, it, it's such a daunting task for me to balance my exercise routine, you know, my health, I, I prepare all my own food. Like I pretty much cook everything from scratch. Um, my music, my podcast, and then like keep up with all the current news. I keep up with foreign policy stuff pretty good, but like domestic stuff and like the latest culture war thing, like I don't know how you guys can just keep up with this at all times and work a job and all this other stuff. And I mean, being a mechanic is a very, very demanding job. So like I got to be on it at all times and I I fail at that sometimes, but, um, you know, I I try to stay as attentive and, you know, conscientious as possible when I'm at work. But then as soon as I'm like out of work, it's 
like I, I've completely blocked that off and I'm not thinking about cars. And when I do, I usually get pretty bummed out. I'm like, man, I got to do all this shit tomorrow. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think that's the way most people feel about their nine to five jobs. Should they have yeah. one? Um, it's so let's get into, let's get into some, some exercise and some food stuff. So wh- one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show was to talk. I, I find that you really rail against, I'll call it the religion of, of food and the religion of exercise because that's what a lot of it is a lot of what people do is based on a belief system because they heard somebody they like or somebody that they trust say something um and you use the term uh nutritional dogma before we actually started the pod i found that to be interesting and you rail on a lot of that stuff um when did you really become interested in like fitness and nutrition and stuff like that where's what's your background in that so there's kind of like two separate um, stories for this. So I guess I'll start with the um, with the exercise stuff. Um, I, I knew I just wanted to be like a super big kid when I was young. So I remember being like five years old and like thinking sumo wrestlers look cool. And then as it turns out, you know, wanting to gain all that weight would come back to bite me in the ass pretty hard. So um, in like seventh grade, I remember my parents got me like a weight bench and I would just bench until my chest felt like it was going to like fall off. And, you know, I'd, I'd be sitting there in my room by myself with a barbell on my chest until I could finally just get it struggled <laughs> off of me. And I kind of put it down there for a little bit from like seventh grade to like, uh, I want to say freshman year in high school. I started picking it back up again because I gained some weight and um, I decided I was just going to go run and just go work out and, you know, just try to improve my health. So um, pretty much from there up until I started my job um, right out of college, I was bouncing up and down, you know, like 30, 40 pounds every here and there. Um, started that job. I was up at like 250, dropped down to 230. And then back in like 2018, yeah, 2018, I met my wife and, you know, obviously girlfriend at the time. And uh, we were together for a little bit. And I remember she went out to eat at a Buffalo Wild Wings. And this is when she was working over the road. She used to do line painting, which I know seems super weird to think like, hey, your girlfriend's doing line painting. She only did the job for like, I don't I, maybe a year at most. But um, she was out and she went and ate at Buffalo Wild Wings. And I remember her saying, I think I'm going to go gluten free because um, I just had a burger and this really isn't sitting right with me. And like I thought about it like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll try a little bit of this too. And I kept hearing people talk about the carnivore diet. This when Jordan Peterson was huge. So um, I remember hearing him talk about that. So like, okay, well maybe there'll be something to this whole nutrition thing. Like, I don't know, maybe like watching what you eat might actually matter, but you know, that never occurred to me beforehand. (laughs) So, um, I, I, I kind of like started to try to adjust my diet a little bit, but then, um, I want to say it was around when the band actually started for, or when we first started recording our four song EP, the reckoning. And I remember I did carnivore for a whole weekend and I remember feeling fantastic. And this is going to be kind of funny as we kind of move along my story here. But um, I remember like no bloat or anything like that. And at the time I was 250 pounds. I was a big boy. So, um, How tall I, I are did, you just to put it in context? About six foot. Okay. Yeah, so, a big um, boy. yeah. Uh, so, Sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right so uh, and right now i weigh anywhere normally like right around 188 and um i don't have like straight up a ripped six pack but i mean i, I would like to believe i'm in pretty damn good shape so um, 
I did carnivore for a weekend and like no bloating. I felt really good. I'm like, oh, well, that was cool. So then I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to go back to eat whatever I was eating. So I remember I had like a salad and I remember going to the bathroom super bloated and just thinking like, this is awful. I have to change something. So at that time, I throughout my entire teen years, I dealt with suicidal ideation. Um, I would never say I was depressed just because I was never formally diagnosed. I had lots of digestive issues and like aches and pains at 23 years old that I was just kind of linking up and saying, Hey, you're just getting older. So this is going to happen. Like this is just the natural course of things. So, um, I finally decided, all right, well, I'm going to do the carnivore diet. I'm going to give this a sincere shot and we're just going to see what happens. So I started and I felt like absolute dog shit, right? Because um, I drastically decreased calories and I wasn't taking enough sodium. And when you're on like a high fat, zero carb or low carb diet, your body gets rid of a lot of water because glycogen, which comes from carbohydrate, holds water. So when you lose that water, then you need to kind of replenish your electrolytes via like, you know, some kind of drink or maybe salt, potassium, magnesium, something like that. So my podcast is sponsored by Element. and I don't mean to like be a shill, but I do have their stuff right there. Just so that way <laughs> when I'm recording, people can kind of see the supplements that I, you know, that I kind of shill away. But, um, so my brother not athletic already, greens. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I do not have everybody. No. Yeah. Uh, Tiger everybody, Fitness yeah. does have greens, but, um, okay, I, I, cool. I don't take green supplements. I, I don't know. I, I think those are mostly like snake oil, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you can put in a good word for us with, uh, you said that was element. Yeah. LNT. Yeah. They're awesome. We, yeah. Perfect. We love so them. Can, we, we don't have yep. a sponsor. So there you go. They're fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you guys can schedule Rob Wolf, and then maybe uh, you guys will uh, be able to set that up. But yeah, he's he's yeah, really write cool. that name down, Rob. Yeah, Rob. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> Rob with two Bs. Um, <laughs> oh, interesting. All right, yeah, Rob yeah. Wolf. Um, Sorry so, to derail you. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. Um, so I did the carnivore diet, and I felt like crap. And then my brother said, "Hey, why don't you try fasting?" So I started doing fasting. I started taking electrolytes, and then things really clicked, and I felt fantastic. So um, I lost. I want to say probably 30 or 40 pounds within the first like couple months. I mean, the weight really, really came off. Now, um, what a lot of people don't realize about um, low carb diets is that when you lose a lot of that water, or when you lose that water, you lose a lot of weight. So like the buy-in is very, very like, oh shit, this is working because you lose a lot of body water. So, and then like after a couple weeks, it's going to start to plateau off. And that's because, you know, you don't have any carbohydrates. Your body's starting to settle into ketosis. And now you're running on mostly fat rather than like glycogen. Although you do produce glycogen through protein through a process called gluconeogenesis, which is basically just where your body turns protein into sugar or glucose for your muscles and your liver. Um, but that's kind of like a, you know, side tangent of keto stuff. So did the carnivore diet, lost a bunch of weight and I was eating when I would track anywhere from like 1800 to 2400 calories a day. Right. So for me to maintain my weight, it takes anywhere from like 2650 to maybe 2800 calories a day. So I was eating at a consistent deficit. So I was like starving. So um, I would eat that way throughout the week. And sometimes as low as, like I said, like 1800 calories, which is like mm -hmm. nothing. I mean, by the average person, you'd be starving if you were eating that and you weren't going for anything else. So like what would happen is on the weekends, you know, after a week or two, I would binge. I mean, cheesecake, ice cream, you name it, face down, done. And then <laughs> I would get frustrated and I feel 
awful. I'd feel like I was a failure as a person. I mean, I felt awful about myself. So um, good for a week or two, binge. Good for a week or two, binge. Good for a week or two, binge. Um, go on vacation, binge the entire time, come back home, feel like a failure. At one time, I actually did a five and a half day fast. And I ran 12 and a half miles throughout that time and worked out for four days. Um, throughout that whole entire time, I, I do not recommend that, but uh, I lost 20 pounds throughout that time. But I, a lot of that was probably like lean body mass and then also like organ water, organ size, <laughs> and probably some muscle tissue. And then it came back a little bit, obviously, once I started eating again. But um, so like after a while, I began to realize, okay, this isn't sustainable. And I remember saying at one point I could do carnivore for the rest of my life. Who the fuck was I kidding? Like <laughs> if you're yeah. binging every single weekend, clearly something's wrong. So, uh, when what, my, uh, real, real quick, Kyle, what kind yeah. of meats, what kind of meats would you eat on a carnivore diet? Um, preferably people go for like fattier cuts so maybe like brisket ribeye. Um, you cook with lots of butter, you would eat whole eggs, um, bacon. Uh, and the reason is cause you want to get your calories up, right? Yeah. So if you're not getting carbohydrates, it's pretty hard to get almost 3000 calories a day just from fats and proteins. You're going to be eating a lot of fat and a lot of butter. And it's just, you may be running to the toilet a lot if you're eating that in like one or two meals, which I've experienced plenty of times, believe me. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, you're going to opt in for the fattier meats when you're on a carnivore diet. If you're on more of like a flexible diet, kind of like I am, then it just depends on how you want your calories to kind of fall throughout the day. And, you know, sometimes I may have fattier steaks. Sometimes I may have leaner cuts, but I, most of the time now opt for the leaner cuts just because I find that I enjoy them more and, I can get in a lot of other foods that I really enjoy versus just eating like an enormous ribeye with a side of like broccoli. Well, what if I want like the, you know, honey fried Brussels sprouts or something like that? Well, it you, you, you only have so many calories in the day if you're trying to maintain your weight or if you're trying to lose weight. So if you're eating the fattiest ribeye in the world, then you're going to get a whole ton of calories from fat versus you, you can get some carbohydrates, which are going to be a little bit more satiating and give you different flavors. So, um, I want to say my wife and I came back from Orlando when I proposed to her and I I can remember this perfectly, but I downloaded the carbon diet coach app. Um, and we were sitting down Longhorn and I said, all right, I'm done on carnivore and I'm going to start reintroducing carbohydrates. So, um, I got a sweet potato. We got shrimp with like all these peppers and stuff. And I remember eating all that and I really, really enjoyed it. I think I got like a sirloin steak. And then I went home and I weighed myself and I was like, oh, I didn't gain a ton of weight and I just had carbohydrates. Like this is how a lot of people actually see diet dogma when they start to really veer off down one path or the other, right? Like I would see people in these carnivore groups all the time saying like, oh, I had it, I had a blueberry and I gained like six pounds. But then they won't <laughs> tell you, hey, I had two pounds of brisket for breakfast. I had six pieces of bacon for lunch with, you know, a, a whole stick of butter on my coffee. But it, it was the two blueberries it that made the me gain blueberry. six pounds. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, you fucking moron. You're digesting, you know, half a cow of fat in your stomach. So no shit, you gained some weight. That's okay, yeah. but just it's not the fucking carbohydrates, guys. <laughs> you're, you're out of your mind. So um, I, I moved on to a more flexible approach. And I used to have like a lot more fats in my diet. But over time, I found that I just really, really like carbohydrates or like oats, cream of wheat, um, bread, just regular ass shit that people eat every day. I just don't eat insane amounts of it. It's I'll even have like candy bars and stuff sometime. Now I, that's not the majority of my diet. The majority of my diet is whole foods. You know, I'm going to, I make French toast in the morning a lot of the time, but that's eggs and bread. 
um, you know, I do put sugar-free cream or my coffee for lunch. I usually have like ground beef with some kind of peppers, fruits or something like that. And then for dinner, I'll usually make like some kind of protein dessert or something like that. And, you know, when my wife and I go out to eat, it's usually like vegetables and, you know, some kind of lean meat or something like that. So just over the last two years, I've reintroduced carbohydrates, kind of came back to just like a more moderate approach where I really have anything that I want, but I just make sure I moderate my intake. But when people hear that, they think I'm probably just often for ice cream all the time. Like, no, like if I'm going to have ice cream or cheesecake, then I, I, I don't want to say I starve, but I'm pretty hungry throughout the day. But then I realized like, hey, the experience that I'm going to have later, my wife and I are going to go to a, a nice restaurant. We're going to have, you know, a, a good you know, big dinner and then a nice dessert afterwards. I'm saving up throughout the day. I'm suffering throughout the day a little bit so that way I can enjoy a little bit later. And that's really kind of what I think people need to learn when it comes to diet is that like, if you want to lose weight, you're going to have to have some kind of restriction and some kind of sacrifice. And if that sacrifice is like all vegetables and all sweets to do a carnivore diet, okay. I don't think that's optimal, but if that works for you, that works for you. Um, if that's vegan where you tend to go like away from fats and stuff like that, if that works for you, okay. I don't think that's optimal either. Um, I liked what you said about sustainability too. Like you were, you were saying like, you know, talking about how the carnivore diet was not sustainable for you, that you're falling off, jumping back on, falling off. Um, I know for myself, like exercise, you know, I've done programs like P90X and things like Mm -hmm. that. And it's, it's good for the first while, but then it's like, this is sustainable to just like kill myself constantly. Like, I I don't know. And same with diets. Like I find, you know, I I see people like I eat a smoothie for every meal. Well, that's, Mm -hmm. you're not going to do that for the rest of your life. Are you? (laughs) Oh dude, I'd hate my life. if I did shit like that. You're going to just blend Uh, your food for the rest of your life. Like what? Yeah. No, (laughs) they must love soup. Yeah, must love soup. No, dude, that's yeah, that that'd be a terrible way to live. Um, but like when it comes to exercise, I see people who get on these programs. I see them just sweating their ass off on the elliptical, and like day after day after day after day, they still look the same. And it's like, well, you haven't found something that works for you, which. Um, is going to differ person to person to person. Like what worked for me to lose the 70 pounds that I lost isn't going to work for either you guys or, you know, maybe it will, but we don't know until you guys try it and figure out that sustainable path for you for the time being, you know, at that. So um, when you hear about people doing P90X, I know I lost all this weight or I just did intermittent fasting. It's like, well, do you see yourself doing this for the rest of your life? Like I see what I do now. It's easy. I enjoy it. Um, I don't feel restricted at all. And then, you know, if I have an off day or I eat over my caloric budget, it's like this isn't a big deal because the next day I could either just pull a little bit out, maybe do a little bit more exercise, or I just had an off day and that's okay. You're not a failure. <laughs> that's that's the one thing that I really think a lot of people struggle with when it comes to diet stuff um, is that when they buy into these dogmatic camps of I'm all carnivore, I'm all keto, I'm all vegan, I'm all this, I'm all that. Um, if they fall off the plan, they feel like a failure. I experienced this so much. And um, this something, this is something that goes untalked about a lot amongst like nutrition sphere and why I really go to bat against people who make these hard rules about food and put morality to food. Um, eating disorders are the deadliest disorder out of every single disorder on the face of the planet. And people have no idea about that. One out of every five people who have an eating disorder will die from that eating disorder. Like this is really? not if yes, it is That's that bad. Crazy. Yeah. So this shit's not a joke. 
Now, you start typically with like disordered eating and then you develop an eating disorder. But like patterns of disordered eating would be kind of like what I was doing on carnivore where you're strict or strict or strict and then binge, right? That's a form of disordered eating. And orthorexia, God. Sorry, disordered eating, what specific, like what would be the specific definition of disordered eating versus eating disorder? Um, an eating disorder, I would, I believe the difference between these, like an eating disorder is basically where you would like, kind of eat and then maybe like a form of like bulimia i believe it's more associated with bulimia um if i'm not mistaken i'll try and pull up a definition real quick because i know there's a difference between the two and i just want to make sure i get this right and then disordered eating would just be kind of like you're not perfect with your food but your relationship with food um is a little bit broken so kind of like i said it's like one one's leading into the other right like Right. Yeah, it would be like step habits. one, step two. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. the other one is is yeah, this is my this is I do this every time <laughs> kind of thing. Like I'm throwing up my food every time. Right. Yeah. Okay. So while people with disordered eating habits may be preoccupied by thoughts around food in their body, their life generally isn't greatly impacted. Okay, yeah. Okay. And then with an eating disorder, however, those um thoughts and behaviors occur so frequently and are so intense that the eating disorder reshapes life. Okay, yeah, then that that's kind of how i envisioned it i just couldn't put it to words so you know eloquently that makes sense yeah <laughs> so um, i had a sleeping yeah. sorry to cut you off i had a sleeping That's disorder okay. when i was a kid and that was 99 percent of my thoughts were around the fact that like mm. i couldn't sleep and it, it literally ruled my life for several years it was it was pretty messed up but yeah. i could see that with food like that would be i never really thought about that but that would really be problematic for sure well this is kind of where it starts from is like with orthorexia where you kind of have this obsession with healthy eating whatever you define as healthy eating and then once again you start to develop disordered eating patterns and then that becomes an eating disorder where once again it, it envelops your whole life where people are binging and purging or you know they can't go to social gatherings because of the food there and the biggest issue with this is that like if you think about gambling you can stop gambling but you can't stop eating Right. Like for the rest of your life, you will have to consume some sort of food. So like that's the biggest problem with this is that like you have to figure out how to live with this for the rest of your life. So um, like when you think about bodybuilders, as you get leaner and leaner and leaner and you have less and less body fat, you actually tend to feel worse and worse and worse because um, your fat cells are stores of energy. Right. So when you get so lean, like when you see those bodybuilders step out on stage, um, they very, very food focused. So like, they're always focused on like, Oh, what's my next meal? Um, I really, really need, you know, my, my next meal because I just feel so God awful right now. So that's kind of like how eating disorders really kind of envelop people's life. And it's, it's terrible. And like, people don't talk about this, but this is kind of where you get, this is the result of people who just tell you, oh, seed oils are bad, artificial sweeteners are bad, saturated fat is bad. Like when you just give people these hard rules around food, then as soon as they break, typically what happens is they say, well, fuck it. I already fucked it up. So why not just go to the races? You know, let's have whatever's in front of my face. I, you know, I can just do it all again tomorrow. Well, why not just say like, okay, this isn't bad. It's kind of off my plan i didn't plan to have this but i'm going to enjoy it anyways and then tomorrow's another day my next meal is the next meal and i'm going to fix this next time around or i'm you know i'm just going to accept that this is what it is i may gain some body fat and this may not be conducive towards my goals and that's okay like just have a serious talk with yourself and say that it's okay to do these things but this is really why i just go to bad against people who make 
food a very, very moral thing because a lot of people don't understand that, that, and I don't want to sound hyperbolic, but it literally does kill people. I mean, giving people anxiety around food and making them feel like they're a bad person for consuming a certain food or a certain dietary pattern that gives them that sense of disordered eating and makes them, you know, just put hard rules around food. And this just fucks people up so bad. So um, it's why when I see people saying, oh, well, this is bad. No, let, let's, let's give, let, let's, let's give room for nuance here. Right. It's, it's interesting too, how you can kind of shape other people. Um, like uh, I'll give you an example. I, I had a friend in college when I, when I went to, uh, uh, college when I was 19 and he was a little bit overweight. Right. And he started dating this girl and then he started getting in what I thought was better shape. He was losing some weight. And one day I walked by him and I was like, I was like, Hey man, you're looking really good. I thought that's a nice compliment. I just gave that guy. Like, um, I thought I was being nice, but it turns out I heard him on a podcast and he was talking about an eating disorder. They had, he had anorexia and, um, I was actually part of the trigger because on the podcast, he said a friend, a friend of mine told me how good I looked because I was losing weight. And, um, he didn't say my name on the podcast, but I contacted him after. And I was like, I was like, Hey man, I, I heard, I heard your story. It's crazy. I was like, was that me that you were talking about? And he said, yeah. I'm like, that's, that's crazy. Cause like, I, I thought, I thought he's looking good. I'm giving him a compliment, but I was part of the, I was part of the problem, I guess, which is, is interesting. You almost vindicated whatever, probably, probably like whatever negative behaviors he was having. You probably vindicated him. He's like, yeah, I'm doing the right thing. Even though yeah. it was probably the wrong thing. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's really, really sad because like you think typically most people do have an issue like, People don't have an issue losing weight. They have a problem keeping the weight off, right? Because a, right. a lot of people who are obese typically will lose a lot of that weight. But um, the problem is like when you do these surgeries or if you don't understand mm-hmm. the habits that got you lean or lost weight, then how are you going to maintain that lifestyle, right? So um, yeah. a lot of people think that like as you get older, excuse me, your metabolism gets worse or that um, it gets more difficult. Um, from what I understand of the literature, that's actually not true. People just tend to move less. Um, obviously, you get busier lives, so you're not able to dedicate as much time to maybe doing cardio or exercising as much. Um, your, your habits change over time. So that's usually why people's metabolisms tend to go you know, lower and lower and lower and lower as they get older and older. And the other thing that happens is also people develop what's called anabolic resistance, which is you actually need more protein to trigger um, muscle protein synthesis as you get older. So um, I have a podcast coming out here sooner or later. I kind of have it on like the back burner if I get too tied up. But um, in New York, they're trying to move school lunches and move more and more yeah, more and more food over towards plant-based options, which um, um, I don't necessarily have a problem with plant-based options. I do have a problem with eliminating animal foods from the human diet because I want to make the step up to getting to better health. Like I, I want this to be a curve this high, right? 
I don't want it to be a step this high. I don't want it to be a step that high. I want it to be as low as possible so that way I can walk past you and say, hey, if you just switch over to diet pop and maybe instead of getting the ribeye, you get the top sirloin or something like that, then you just improved your health. Maybe you lost a couple pounds and gained a little bit of muscle, right? Baby um, steps, basically. Right, right, right. Yeah. So when you start to put, once again, morality around food and you start to say that you can't have these foods, especially especially in elderly populations who develop anabolic resistance. Now it's going to be that much harder for these people to prosper because the elderly are going to suffer disproportionately because once again, with anabolic resistance, now um, they're not getting sufficient protein or at least sufficiently good protein. And you know what happens to elderly people is that um, typically the reason why they die is because when they they fall, they get injured. And this is directly because a lack of lean mass, a lack of muscle that they fall, break a hip, you know, break a bone or something like that. And they're not able to recover. So, I mean, this is why protein as you age, especially well-sourced protein is so important. So this is like, I don't have a problem with people going plant-based, but like just this idea of one size fits all is silly to me. And we shouldn't treat that, you know, there's any one solution for anybody. Um, it's just, it's ridiculous to think that. It's funny that our society is so, so addicted to one size fits all. We do it for everything, oh, not yeah. just food. We do it for every single facet of society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty wild. Corey, looks like you had a question. No, I was gonna, I was I was going to say something similar like um climate <laughs> would be would be a good example. Um uh interesting that thing happened in New York. You got to wonder if that's tied to that. Are they going to feed them crickets soon too or what's what's the deal there? <laughs> I've yeah. I've eaten crickets before. Well, you know what's yeah, funny is that uh, crooked crickets from what I understand are actually a good source of protein. Um yeah. no, no yeah. I would not recommend better, people better than a cow or uh, <laughs> no, I had chocolate covered crickets, so they were I, pretty tasty. If I remember correctly, the nutrient profile in crickets are actually very, very good. But think about how much crickets you would have to eat versus like a steak, which is like yeah. a very, very small fraction of a cow. And you, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, crickets <laughs> don't sound that tasty to me. <laughs> it it literally um, tasted like nothing. Like uh-huh. all I could taste was chocolate. So it's yeah. like, I mean, if they were all dipped in chocolate, sure, I'd eat them. But well, I mean, it's like it's like the pretty chicken unhealthy. Thing. Yeah, ch- um, chicken doesn't taste like chicken. Chicken tastes like what you put on the chicken. Yeah, that's um, true. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. that's probably true of a lot of like insects or animals. I mean, who knows? I haven't eaten. I haven't gone too deep with it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crickets, that's what uh, it's um, like. Yeah, and uh, back to the point of like nutrition dogma is that everybody does believe that their diet works for everybody. You know, I believe this when I was carnivore. I would share posts on Facebook you know, finding studies that would confirm my belief and saying, this is why you should do the carnivore diet. And looking back at it now, I might've heard some people doing that. I mean, I, I would do posts in these carnivore groups and we'd get like over a thousand likes and everybody would talk to me, ask me questions. And I probably hurt people to be completely honest with you. I was very, very responsible with the uh, knowledge at the time that I possessed. So, um, it's so funny when I argue with people on Twitter, or people argue with me about nutrition stuff. Like I, I, I can't be bothered. I don't want to waste my time when I have somebody telling me it takes 30 hours for your body to turn sugar into something useful in your body. Like just shut the fuck up and leave me alone, please. Like get the fuck out of my face. I do not care to talk to you. If that's the kind of level that you're on and you're looking at me and like, 
I'm not fucking Ronnie Coleman, right? But you scroll through my Twitter profile, you're going to see me deadlifting 500 pounds. You're going to see I'm in pretty good shape. You're going to see my podcast where I've talked to world-leading experts on nutrition, people who fucking do the studies on people, right? I talk to the fucking experts all the time. This isn't like something I'm new to. Why are you going to sit here and tell me carbs are bad, seed oils are bad? I talk to the people who write the fucking studies on muscle hypertrophy, on, you know, who, who review meta-analysis for a fucking living. I know <laughs> this shit. I'm not a genius, but I, I rub elbows with these people. So I, I, I would like to believe I know more than the average Joe who watched Jason Fung tell you that uh, carbohydrates <laughs> make you fat and that ins- if your insulin's high, then you can't burn fat. And I, I guess we'll, we'll go there real quick unless you guys had something to add. No. Oh, I was no. going to say, isn't it funny um, that people speak in absolutes about this type of stuff? Like, no, no, it's this way for everybody. Yeah. Uh, it's this way. It's th- this is bad for everybody. It's like there's no gray in the, it's all yeah. black and white. This is bad. This is good. Do this. Don't do that. It's, it's hilarious, to be honest with you. I mean, it's sad in a lot of ways, too, but it's well, just, it's, yeah, yeah, it's funny. This is what's really frustrating about people who are actually experts in the nutrition field. So I had uh, one of the people who studies under um, Brad Schoenfeld, who's the world's leading muscle hypertrophy expert um, on my podcast, uh, Max Coleman, really, really cool dude. Um, If you listen to Brad talk about like muscle hypertrophy, he does not speak in absolutes. I mean, he's written like the book on hypertrophy research. I'm not getting like he's published the most studies on muscle hypertrophy out of like anybody. But if you hear him talk, he's going to say, well, it depends. Um, The research suggests this. It seems like this. He's going to want a little bit more specifics to give you a little bit more of a nuanced answer because he understands the wide breadth of literature that there is on all this stuff. So when you have carnivore people, when you have keto or vegan people who just tell you this one trick, this trick, it's all you need. That's that's the thing about science in general too right like it's it's a discussion it's ever changing right. it's you know what i mean so you get told something today that the literature may change in a year right, right? And, it, and it it may evolve mm-hmm. but what what you look for is that consensus that like majority of, of people that are saying yeah this this is the way to do it i guess Right. Well, but, you want to listen to for, for people who are honest and who will at least provide you sources right. and who are at least intellectually honest and will change their mind when presented with new data. Yeah. Um, so like a couple of the people that I really like to follow, Lane Norton is probably one of the main people that really changed my mind over the last couple of years. Um, Alan Flanagan, Simon Hill, uh, the Nutrivore, uh, who's uh, Nick Hebert is his name, uh, Danny Lennon, Brad Schoenfeld, uh, Bill Campbell, um, I'm trying to think of a few of the other names, but um, there's just like some of the guys that come off the top of my head that I really listen to. And you can take just about everything they say to the bank and you're going to be generally all right. And they'll admit when like the research is changing. Oh, Mike Israel is another guy. Um, I had a guy on my podcast. His name's Milo Wolf and he's done research on partial range of motion or length in partials. So like when you think about, let's say like a tricep extension. So you see how my arm's bent right here. So like to do a tricep extension, you'd extend your arm like that, right? The right. hardest portion is when you're right here, right? So that's the fully lengthened position. And then this would be kind of like a lengthened partial, right? Now, the easiest part is going to be out here to like right here, right? So when you see people doing partials in the gym, they're typically doing this, right? 
They're yeah. doing the tricep extensions, just like not even getting their arm to 90 degrees. What Milo's seeking to do is to expand on the research in length and partial. So instead of going from this full range of motion or partials, he's seeking to go length and partials. So you could even see here, like my triceps kind of flexed a little bit when oh, I'm yeah. down this position. So um, the traditional lifting orthodoxy is that you should always do full range of motion because that's going to be the most stimulative for hypertrophy, which hypertrophy is the process of, you know, stimulating your muscles to grow. Um, his research is starting to suggest that maybe the length and partials are actually better. So instead of going once again, from here to here, from here to maybe here is optimal because okay. that's actually the most stimulative range because it's the most difficult range. So like, even if you think about like a squat, when you're down in the hole up to like maybe halfway, not fully locking out your knees, that's going to be very, very stimulative. It's going to be very, very difficult. But what his research, like I said, is starting to upend is this idea that um, full range of motion is better than partials. Well, maybe these length and partials are a little bit better. And I kind of threw him this analogy and he seemed to like it, but, um, and he said it was a reasonable analogy. So like ideally, well, not ideally, but like you should probably have like three meals a day, right. With sufficient protein. So like if you're an 180 pound guy, if you got three meals a day with 150 grams of per or 150 grams of protein spread throughout those meals. So like 50, 50, 50, it's pretty good. Not ideal, not optimal, but good enough. Like you're going to make gains. You're probably going to get um, of the vast majority of muscle available to you through doing that. Optimal would be, you know, let's say if you're like my size, 188 pounds, you get five feedings a day um, with anywhere from like 20 to 50 grams per feeding. Um, but the difference of between 20, 50 that- grams of protein, sorry. Yeah, 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 or twenty yeah, to fifty. Okay. Right. Yeah, twenty to fifty grams of protein per or, um, per meal. Um, now the difference between you know, let's say me eating three meals versus five meals is going to be pretty small. But my goals are I want to gain as much muscle as possible. Um, now for somebody that that's maybe not their goal and they just want to look good and they want to do something a little bit more sustainable for them, three meals at fifty grams, no problem with that. You're gonna you'll more than excel at that. So. Um, I know it was a long tangent, but uh, it's I just admire people when they're willing to change their mind, and especially when people are public about it and very honest and kind of show their evolution throughout time. I think it's very admirable because you know that you can trust that person. You know that they're intellectually honest because if you're not willing to be intellectually honest, you're not like a, a person who's acting in good faith. You're essentially a politician at that point, right? And that's what a lot of these nutrition <laughs> advocates are. That's what they are. I they, know. They, yeah, yeah, they tell you this one thing. Just cut out seed oils and you'll be fine. Cut out artificial sweeteners. Cut out this. It, it's it's so ridiculous. So you want to listen to people who are going to give you the full picture and present data that's going to kind of give you the tools to you know make your own life better. You know, I don't want somebody to tell me how to live. I want somebody to tell me the information that's going to allow me to figure out how I can best live myself. Yeah, there are, there are very few things that are more admirable than admitting you're wrong on the internet in this day and age. Like Jesus, like, can you imagine? (laughs) I I mean, I will never do it, but a a much, (laughs) a much bolder man than me would, you know? Um, That's interesting. I, I want to go way back in this conversation because yeah, we went on a couple of tangents, but can you think back to a time when you look the best that you looked maybe in your life or maybe, 
you know, up to that point in your life, how did you actually physically feel? Cause I always look at these people who are like bodybuilders or maybe like, um, you know, wrestlers, mm-hmm. UFC fighters, guys yeah. who are in just fantastic shape. Do they actually feel good? Does that actually feel good? So like, think back to your own, you know, the best physique you ever had. Did you actually feel good? So this is very, very, very genetic. So if, if you look at my family lineage, I come from a bunch of Husky Polacks, right? I mean, they're all big fat <laughs> dudes, right? And Me too, not, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> let's not dunk it on them. It's just, it's the truth. Um, yeah. Now, the best I ever looked, I was 179 pounds and I did have visual abs and I'm pretty sure I had like veins like in my hips and shit. You, know, you could probably see shoulder veins and stuff like that. I mean, I was, I was pretty diced. Um, yeah, felt like shit. Had no energy. I was very, very tired. But I looked fan freaking tastic. Um, if you look up, I did a podcast called Fascist Fitness or something like that. Quotes uh, talking about some article where uh, they, they were calling people who like work out alt right or something like that. And the picture there was actually when I was <laughs> of at course my they were. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, I, I looked fantastic, but I felt like absolute dog shit. So um, it, it kind of goes back to you know earlier on in the conversation where the leaner you get, the less readily available energy that you have on your body so therefore you're going to want to take in more calories because um your body doesn't know that like hey i'm diced and there's food everywhere and i'm choosing to not eat your body thinks holy fuck i'm going to die i can't reproduce and i need to go kill something as soon as possible or else like i'm dead and this is why actually like female bodybuilders when they get really really lean they lose their period because their body realizes um hey this isn't the optimal time to have a kid you know your body thinks that you're going through a famine so therefore it's going to take certain steps to perhaps preserve muscle and choose to burn fat instead up to a point whereas you know let's say you go too far in one direction you're you know eating 1500 calories a day and you're you know three percent body fat or something like that then you're gonna start losing muscle left and right because your body has nowhere else to get that energy from because you need a certain amount of fat to keep the lights on so um yeah when i look my best felt pretty bad. Now, I would say I definitely felt better than when I was 250 pounds, but I still felt <laughs> right. pretty sh- I still felt pretty shitty. Yeah. Okay. We uh we had a ex UFC fighter on, I don't know, about a week or two ago. Yeah. Um he talked a lot about cutting weight and uh when he would get to the weigh-ins and stuff like that, how he's shitty about, he felt. He's about your height and he was doing 155. Yeah, yeah. he's he is your height. He's six feet. Yeah, he's the same height as me. Uh, Six feet. He was doing one fifty five. I remember it because I was like, Jesus Christ! (laughs) Like I could. Yeah, I'm one seventy five, and I I couldn't imagine cutting twenty pounds. I'd be a rake. But he was talking about exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, if I cut twenty pounds off me, I would. I'd pretty much be ready to step on a bodybuilding stage and maybe not win, but I mean, I'd look pretty damn good. Um, so like, I, honestly, I, I don't want people to strive for that though, because I don't think that's healthy. It's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And like, as you lose weight, you lose mass. So when you lose that mass, you also lose kind of like some of that energy that you have. So like when I was 250 pounds, um, my caloric, you know, needs were obviously way, 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 way different because I'm moving 70 pounds more human (laughs) around every day. Um, if I put on 10 pounds, my caloric, you know, my daily calories would change as well. So when you get that lean, you're probably not going to be able to maintain it on the same calories that you were when you like first started to lose weight. Well, they, they do it for an advantage, right? Like they basically suck all the water out of themselves to get to, he, he said he would get down to like 170. 
And then mm-hmm. basically overnight or like within two days, get down to 155. Because they would just suck, yeah. suck all the yeah. water out of them. And then basically they rehydrate. And the idea is that they have a weight advantage and a height advantage and all these things when they're in that weight class. So, yeah, yeah. I, it's sick. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> would feel, you would feel absolutely fucking terrible. And that's actually pretty fucking dangerous because you start to drain it is. Um, yeah. electrolytes, especially if you're losing like that kind of weight. I mean, you hear about bodybuilders doing this where they're taking diuretics and there have been, um, records i i can't remember the names off the top of my head but there have been bodybuilders who have died because they were uh, trying to cut water going into a show and once again when you have that little body fat and you're just sucking everything out of you probably not ideal no <laughs> so um yeah that, that's why i i don't recommend that kind of stuff um now when it comes to like a fighter they have to have very very good cardiovascular conditioning so like they may not be able to carry the same muscle mass that i carry because i don't do a whole ton of like high intensity cardio where you could consider boxing running a form of high intensity cardio i do more you know low intensity i do a lot of walking um i do a lot of incline walking on the treadmill when it's cold outside um and then obviously my job i stay pretty physically active as well so um that's like the preferred form of cardio because it's very very easy to recover from and you can do it for a very very long bout of time without worrying about wasting muscle I hate cardio. Is it, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll just admit it. Like I hate cardio. I, I do it, but I, I hate it. Like is cardio kind of overblown? No, no. Okay. I, I think cardio is uh, honestly, <laughs> I'm going to say cardio is pretty underrated. Um, just because I, I take my, I don't want to say it too loud cause I'll freak out, but <laughs> I take my dogs for a walk every morning and that's like my me time. Like that is a time where I just kind of go out and I enjoy a nice warm morning and listen to a podcast or something like that. And just kind of watch this podcast, of course. Yeah, 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 of course. (laughs) I'll just watch them kind of trot along and it's just really, really peaceful. But, um, when, when it's cold in the wintertime, I have a treadmill in my basement and I usually do like anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes. Um, now the benefits to walking cannot be overstated, especially when it comes to like digestion and, uh, blood sugar regulation so like when people talk about like these insulin spikes um they say that sometimes that correlates to like more hunger or like appetite um from what i understand the literature it's pretty mixed but like if you take a 10 minute walk after you eat that actually helps regulate your blood sugar and helps with digestion so um that's why like first thing in the morning just to give like a little synopsis of my day i'm up anywhere from 4 to 4 30 in the morning and then um i'll cook my breakfast and then i'll go you know take the dogs for a walk or go walk on the treadmill for anywhere from like you if i walk my dogs it's like 25 to 45 minutes if i'm on the treadmill it's like 30 to 45 minutes and um i do that right after i eat so that way my food digests nicely and then i don't have to worry about a blood sugar you know rise and fall and then pretty much throughout the day i'm walking so um that's why I, you know, I think that cardio is very, very underrated. Um, now that's not to say you should go out and just go jog a marathon. Like, no, just walking is perfectly fine. Um, okay, that's you, good. I, I do that. Yeah, if you <laughs> want to get on the bike or something like that, that's good. Um, I really, really like running, but I understand that that would come at the cost of my quads. That like over the last two years, I've built very, very nicely, and I, I like didn't train legs as hard as I do now. But, um, you know, I understand that like I would lose a lot of leg muscle if I started doing that cardio just because it's very, very high impact and, you know, you're constantly burned like fuck if you're running. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I've 
done it before. So um, I, I don't do any running anymore. It's just all low intensity stuff. Um, one of the, th- one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about this topic specifically was that you were kind of going against a lot of the religions that I knew as far as food and exercise went. Mm-hmm. So I can remember a time when I was watching your Twitter and you were in within the span of like 24 hours, you were talking about you had drank three diet Cokes, you had eaten a cheesecake and you had made homemade ice cream. And I was like, how can this guy look like this and eat that? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, and I was like right in the midst of like a diet that I really didn't want to do because um, I had just gotten out of the hospital and I was was pretty overweight um, and I was trying to get back to a, a more you know reasonable weight for myself. Um, and I was like, damn, man, this guy's eating cheesecakes and ice cream. And then you went to Wiggle Whiskey and I was like, damn, I like that place. Mm. <laughs> um, but so I noticed that and I was like, how is it possible? But then you kind of broke it down that what you're actually consuming is not sort of the full effect of those things. So you're not drinking Cokes, you're drinking Diet Cokes. You're not eating like traditional ice cream, you're eating homemade ice cream. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what do you do for, what would your homemade ice cream be versus say like a store-bought one? Okay, so if you look at a store-bought ice cream, that little pint of Ben & Jerry's, which is probably like the, the height of my hand, um, I literally just made some protein ice cream tonight, and uh, I'll tell you about that after I, I kind of explain this. But uh, so, like a traditional pint of Ben and Jerry's is going to be like thirteen hundred calories, right? I mean, that is ridiculous. Now it's going to be delicious. Don't get me wrong, but um, the reason why these foods are so delicious because the combination of carbohydrates and fats together, right? Like, so if you think about this, all the foods that you love and just cannot stop eating are mixes of carbohydrates and fats together. Potato chips. What's that? A, carbohydrate, a potato thrown in some oil and fried, which oils are fats. Um, you think about a milkshake, that's a whole ass load of sugar with some milk, carbohydrates and fats. You think about French fries, potato soaked in oil. You think about just like a burger on a bun, you got a, you, with some bacon and cheese, you got the buns, carbohydrate, you know, the burger and the bacon, that's some fats. All this stuff is hyper palatable foods. Um, chocolate, same deal, carbohydrate and fat together. Um, that's not to say you shouldn't ever oh nuts too don't forget nuts like macadamia nuts a handful of nuts that could easily be 500 calories that gives you like next to no um protein like they say nuts oh, are high really? protein but they're not oh yeah don't don't snack on nuts that's, that's very, very one of, yeah idea. that's one of those things it's like everybody tells you to snack on nuts no Interesting. don't do that yeah i mean they're they're tasty don't get me wrong and they are good for you but you just have to understand that like that is a fuck ton of calories you're consuming like the reason why peanut butter tastes so good is because it's carbohydrates and fats and like i eat peanut butter almost every single day yeah i love peanut butter yeah me too don't but, tell um, me I can't eat my protein butter, shakes yeah, that, yeah. that's <laughs> a big part of my protein shake yeah yeah um, so it's just like you, you constantly see this carbohydrates and fats together. So like the way that I make ice cream is I get sugar-free Greek yogurt or, or sugar-free fat-free Greek yogurt. So like if you go into like, I don't know what you guys have up there, but like giant Eagle down here, you're going to find the light and fit yogurt, which is like 90 calories for 170 grams, which is a lot of fucking yogurt for not a lot of calories. Um, kind of get like a little bit of that in a blender you get some ice, you get some xanthan gum because it's going to thicken it up, some pudding mix, two scoops of protein powder, and a little bit of like almond milk or cashew milk, blend it all together and it, it comes out wonderfully. So like today I had a vanilla white Oreo ice cream and it had, I want to say 60 grams of protein, probably around the same amount of carbs and probably a little bit less fat. 
but I did have a lot of Oreos in there. But I, I was pretty hungry throughout the day, but I knew I was going to have this big ass milkshake or a uh, big ass thing of ice cream later on in the day. But yeah, you just got to learn how to make foods with protein powders. I know that sounds silly and a lot of people are going to read about the processed foods, but like the way that I look at processed foods is like, well, what's the processing doing? Is it making it you know, way, way too easy to overconsume by putting a whole bunch of oils and sugar in it and it makes it super tasty? Or are you taking out the sugars and fats and giving you protein? So like, that's a nice part about protein powder is that it's, it's a whole food, but they remove the carbohydrates and the fats to give you just protein. Same deal with like fat-free Greek yogurt. They took out the fats to give you protein with a little bit of like milk sugar, which is usually pretty digestible for most people. So like this is goes back to the whole food morality thing. Don't look at it so black and white. Just understand what's conducive towards your goals and what's not. That piece of cheesecake from the Cheesecake Factory that's 1,300 calories, and yes, they are that much. It's going to be delicious. Will I eat it? Fuck yeah, I'm going to eat it. But I understand that like I've seen it. I've seen yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, this, this is probably not ideal. But typically, like if my wife and I go, I get like the lowlicious one, which is like seven hundred calories. It's still a lot, but like once again, throughout the day, don't eat a lot. Then now it's time to enjoy. Like um uh f- Saturday, my wife and I are gonna go Bahama Breeze. I'm gonna get a big old rack of ribs and I already have like my day of eating planned out. And it, I'm gonna be a little bit hungry throughout the day, but though once again we sit down to enjoy ribs, sweet potato mash, and broccoli. It's going to be fucking awesome. So um, you just got to kind of plan your days accordingly. And what I found that works for me best is just kind of know what I'm going to eat a day out so that way I don't have to think about it and always have the shit with me. So like I pack my lunches every single day. And like if I know I'm going to go out to eat the day before, then I usually look at the menu and then like in my food tracker, I'll say like, okay, well, I'm going to have this and like just put everything in there just so that way, like, okay, well this is all accounted for and this have to structure my day around that. So that way I still hit my goals at the end of the day. And that's why like, I I'm very, very rarely like off the path. Is there a good food tracker app that you suggest? Uh, carbon diet coach. That is the one that I use and I would recommend that to anybody. Uh, I think it's $80 a year. And if you pay for half the year, I think it's, uh, I don't want to be wrong, but I want to say it's 50 or 10 bucks a month. Um, I use it and I find that one to be absolutely fantastic. But, um, you know, you don't, I don't want people to feel like they have to track. I do because it's just easiest for me. But, you know, if there's maybe a way that you can eat that you don't have to do that, like, hey, maybe I just load up on fruits and vegetables and, you know, go for like a small serving of protein at every meal and that works for me. Okay. But like, you know, it, I don't want people to feel like they have to carry on a food scale. I don't, when I'm at home, I use it because that just kind of helps me dial everything in and know what I'm getting. And you know, that's just easy for me, but I don't want people to feel like they have to do that. Um, what I do think is useful though, is that if you track your food and you weigh everything that you eat, you'd be surprised how small some servings are and sometimes actually how big some servings are. So, um, it's definitely something that I think everybody should at least try for like a week or two because you'd be amazed at like, you think that teaspoon that you just put in there is a teaspoon, but it's like four, not even kidding. Like they say, um, you'll see the measurements on like the side of a box or something like that. Um, if you want to hate your life, then like go scoop out some butter and dump it in a dish and see how much that is. And realize that when you pour that on popcorn, you don't even see that you taste it. And you just added 
uh, you were like triple the calories in a bowl of popcorn by adding that one little tablespoon of butter. You would be, right. your mind will be blown when you start Great. weighing stuff out. But um, you've ruined it, well, movies for me now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, if I, no, no, I will. Actually, I don't really think there's anything wrong with that. Just don't, you know, go over to the butter thing and uh, slam the thing. Just, get the popcorn and enjoy it the way it is. And then like, if you're tracking, just realize there's going to be some fats in there. But like my wife and I, we air pop popcorn all the time. And actually I would recommend that as like a little diet hack because like a whole big ass bowl of popcorn, if you air pop it, you don't use any butter or anything like that. Um, that's like 50 calories. I mean, it is ridiculous how much food you get for how little calories. And, um, what I like to do is get like the little, um, a little like flavor stuff, they sell them at like Walmart. Um, use like butter spray and then just, you know, tap on like some cinnamon, some Splenda or something like that. And it tastes really, really good. So we had this idea, idea Kyle, to um, uh, kind of give you some rapid fire uh, trends, I guess. Trends that you hear about on like, you know, Instagram, YouTube and things like that. And just kind of get your yes or no if they're good and, and maybe just a quick why why sure. they are or aren't so i'm gonna start off intermittent fasting uh i'm gonna say bad and, and that may seem a little bit controversial but just because i think people freak out a little bit too much and this kind of goes back to the conversation earlier of orthorexia and people feel like if they break their fasting window then they failed um but if it's a tool that helps you maintain your weight or get you closer to your goals, um, there's been a lot of research that came out suggesting that it's actually not detrimental for muscle building as long as you're not doing like two or three day fasts. Um, but I would just recommend against it. But, um, you know, if it works for you, then it works for you. So um, my opinion, bad. But if once again, up, up to the individual. I like that. Shades of gray. Uh, cold plunge. Oh, completely overrated. <laughs> Junk. Is it? Yes. Uh, so I've never done one. Yeah. No, no, don't, don't, don't. Um, <laughs> unless you want to, but, uh, it's, there's like a time and a place for it. Uh, if you're really, really sore and you need to recover fast, then yes, there's some recovery benefits. But, um, the problem is if you're looking to build muscle, then it blunts the signal to build muscle. So, um, if you hate being sore, which is kind of part of building muscle, then, um, you know, by all means take a cold shower, but just realize you're kind of blunting your gains a little bit. Fair enough. All right. This one, this one's interesting to me. Red light therapy. Good, I guess. Uh, I, I, I've seen some research on it. But um, I feel like this is kind of another one of those things that, you know, that, that you're this one trick away from, you know, you're realizing all your gains and looking like a liver king. Um, <laughs> it, it, it probably does help for some of this stuff. And I've heard that it helps with like circadian rhythm. But uh, I, I don't know. I've never done it myself. I would like to, though. But um, I, I can't really give a, you know, one way or the other. I would probably say overrated, you know. My, my guess is it helps uh, people like me who get stuck in front of their computer for hours and hours. Like, go go out and get some sun, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're both like that. Uh, yeah. Micro workouts. Micro, um, underrated. I would definitely say underrated, um, depending on how you would define it. Um, if it's just kind of some activity, you get up, you do a couple push-ups, pull-ups, or, you know, walk around some air squats or something like that. Any activity is good activity, so I'm, I'm all for it. Sweet. Corey, isn't that what you did when you were in prison? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. 
You don't strike me as a prison guy. No, and then I had a whole bunch of tattoos and I came out and got revenge. Prison bitch, Um, maybe, but... (laughs) um, Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, (laughs) Mouth taping. Um... I'm kind of neutral on it. Uh, I I feel like I'd hate my life if I did it because of my beard mustache. But, um, me too. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, me too. I feel like it'd be a pain in the ass to sleep. Um, I am typically like a nose breather, but I know my wife complains because she says that I'll go like in my sleep sometimes. <laughs> so uh, um, I, I would think it'd probably be good, especially for people like uh, sleep apnea. But I mean, if you don't have like a clear if you're inflamed in your throat because you're very, very overweight, then that might be an issue. But like in people who get very, very muscular or very, very overweight, um, what happens is that when they lay down their neck so large that it collapses their airway. And that's why they snore, have like sleep apnea. Um, so that's where like a CPAP machine may come in handy. But, um, eh, you know, eh. I'm, I'm a terrible snorer, but uh, my wife said when I, when I'm working out, like when I'm in better shape, my snoring gets less. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Yeah, it, I didn't realize that. It's it's probably because you're uh, losing weight, and there's other lifestyle behaviors that probably improve your overall health and cause that to kind of go away. Um, I, I don't think most people natural will ever get to the point where um, their neck will get big enough that it'll collapse when they're sleeping. But I mean, if you're fat enough, then that can happen. But I don't think most people, um, if they're lean and at their, you know pretty close to their genetic limit i don't think they're going to get to that point smoothies Eh, overrated um just a lot of calories and usually you're you're kind of dicing up fruit from a very very enjoyable and very very satiating at that um kind of i don't say texture but like form um and making it very very easy to consume and typically you put a whole bunch of shit in smoothies that adds a whole ton more calories. So like, it's not like what's in there is bad. It's just that you're not really getting that much satisfaction or satiety from it. And satiety is a part in binging. It's not the entire thing, but, um, you know, you probably don't want to be hungry. And I feel like if you're having a smoothie for breakfast, you're probably gonna be hungry a little while later versus where if you just ate like the fruits themselves, you probably wouldn't be as hungry. What should somebody, if somebody is going to do smoothies, what should they put in them? Um, I don't know. Any kind of fruit they like, really. And then, uh, you know, find maybe like a vanilla protein powder or a protein powder that you like. Mix it in. Maybe even get collagen or something like that. Um, I'm, I don't think collagen's all that great. But, um, you know, it has a different amino acid profile than most other uh, animal f- proteins. Uh, so, yeah, I would say probably just whatever fruit you like. Some protein powder. Um, artificial sweeteners, if you like them. Um, you know, natural sweeteners if you like them, and uh, yeah, rock and roll with that. Sound like Josh was asking for a friend. <laughs> no, I'm asking for myself to be honest with you. Can I, I lay know, mine I out you for were. you? Yeah, yeah I, I actually i i pretty much have a smoothie every day. So mine consists of spinach, strawberries, usually raspberries, all the berries, which apparently I'm killing the taste of. Uh, vanilla protein. I use hemp hearts, flaxseed. Uh, a little bit of cocoa and almond milk. And that's usually, and then I put a bit of ice in it. Okay. That's about it. Are you hungry after you eat that? No. Okay. Well, I mean, if not that usually. works for you, then rock and roll. Yeah. But I, uh, yeah, I typically am not hungry in the morning. So I, I will have one of those and that'll usually get me to lunch. 
Gotcha. But, um, so there have been some literature on people who eat in the morning versus people who eat more at night. And the data seems to suggest that people who eat more in the morning actually tend to be more successful in their diet. Um, I don't know if that's like a placebo thing or if that's just like a data artifact or what, but um, I think it's important that your first meal of the day always have a lot of protein because you want to make sure you kind of start off on the right foot if you kind of catch my drift. So like um, your last meal of the day could have like the lowest amount of protein, but you probably want to opt for your first meal of the day having, you know, at least 30 grams of protein or more. Um, if you're just getting like 20, it's not bad, but optimally you want to, you know, get your muscles kind of recovering or activated first thing in the morning. So, um, you so know, frost, like frosted flakes or, <laughs> yeah, well, they're more than good. Uh, if you cinnamon have some, toast crunch. Yeah. yeah I have Great. some cinnamon toast crunch with some, uh, vanilla protein powder. I've done that before. Yeah. Of course you have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, keto, uh, overrated at this point. Yeah, it's it's gone yeah. completely mainstream, and now you find keto Oreos, keto ice cream, and half the stuff isn't even keto anymore. They kind of took like a good diet that I, I, you know, it's not optimal. And there's even research to show that you don't build as much muscle on a ketogenic diet versus like a mixed diet where you include carbohydrates. Um, but you know, they really took a diet and made it into kind of a tar baby where it's all about chugging butter and eating all the macadamia nuts and nut butters in the world and eat all the keto junk food you want. Whereas like, it really should be about focusing on maybe lean, maybe some fatty meats with like some olive oil and, you know, some leafy greens and lots of fiber. Um, that'd be a great keto diet, but if you're doing it in this form of retarded keto, where you're just going to have, you know, keto ice cream and peanut butter and macadamia nuts with no protein all day. Um, yeah, I think that's a shitty diet. So, um, mainstream keto kind of shitty just because I feel like this is what everybody does. And what do you hear about everybody? Or what do you hear from people when they do keto? Oh, I'm great when I'm on it. Well, why can't you stay on it? That's yeah. the problem. Unsustainable. So, yeah, I think it's overrated. Cool. Do you, uh, did you ever watch the show Arrested Development? No. Back in the day? No. They have a great joke about the Atkins diet where they uh, they talk about how they're going to watch a show and eat popcorn. And the other, uh, George Michael is one of the characters like, but dad, Atkins. And he's like, you're right. I'll fry some bacon. That's kind of what <laughs> like uh, keto is to me. It's, it's like, no, no, we can't have popcorn, but we'll fry up this bacon. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, CrossFit don't know much about it but um i'm gonna say from what i hear from people who do crossfit it's probably overrated because uh it seems like people who do crossfit are typically the most insufferable people in the world but um <laughs> at the same time if that's something that you enjoy and um it's helping you stay you know stay moving and maybe building some muscle i'm all for it but uh if i knew people who did crossfit and they were like the online crossfitters that i hear about then i would probably want to like stab them with a spoon or something <laughs> A, sp a spork, a spoon yeah. fork. Um, uh, salt and water in the morning before your coffee. Uh, depends. If uh, you're on a keto diet, it's probably good. Um, any other diet, probably useless. Uh, because like, especially if you're having a lot of carbohydrates, you're probably okay on electrolytes. But um, you know, shameless plug, Element Electrolytes makes uh, chocolate electrolytes, and I do put that in my coffee every single morning. 
Um, you know, I, I'll, I have like all sorts of different syrups downstairs. So like my favorite one is uh, I, I use a s'more syrup and put some vanilla coffee creamer in and some chocolate electrolytes. It is fantastic. Uh, Gluten free. Uh, overrated. Um, I mean, if you're going to replace, you know, a regular brown, brownie with gluten free brownie, then what the fuck's the point? <laughs> if you're trying to eliminate breads and stuff like that, because those tend to be part of like a hyper palatable, you know, kind of food situation, if you follow what I'm saying, like bread and butter and burgers and stuff like that, then I, I, I guess. But like if you don't have celiacs or some kind of gluten allergy, like my wife actually has a gluten allergy, like to the point where if they put so much as like a seasoning on in the restaurant, she'll be borderline bedridden for like a day or two. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so I've, I've learned how to cook pretty much everything I cook with almond or coconut flour. I don't use really regular flour unless it's like the pancake mixes that I have downstairs. Um, yeah, I think it's overrated. But if you have an allergy, then obviously not overrated. You should follow that. But um, <laughs> what's kind of nice is that because of that explosion, um, now people can kind of make different foods and, um, you know, enjoy some more of the quote unquote junk foods by um, – you know, without having to worry about them giving them a terrible gut reaction. Cool. Interesting. Our next one was carnivore, but I'll skip that because we've kind of beat that one to death. <laughs> Overrated. Cheat. <laughs> yeah, I kind of figured. Uh, cheat days. Um, I'm going to say overrated. If you're if if you set your diet diet up right, you should never have a cheat day. Um, now that's not to say that I don't do them. I couldn't tell you the last time I had a cheat day. Um, but like if probably I'm on when you went to Florida, <laughs> yeah, probably, um, <laughs> yeah, if I'm on vacation or something like that, then I don't track and I do just enjoy, honestly, like I, I don't worry about food when I'm on vacation just because I realize that's that I don't want to say it's stressful, but like, I, I just don't want to worry about it. So I don't, it's a little harder on vacation too, right? Because, oh yeah. Well, just because you're yeah. away and stuff. Um, yeah. and I mean, I've done it before. It's a little bit of a pain in the ass, but, um, can do it I, I just don't want to worry about it but yeah um a well-constructed diet will allow you the room to cheat but like i said earlier um i just budget around that it's so like if my wife and i want to go have ice cream or something like that then i'll typically just opt in for like the sugar-free versions and i still find that to kind of scratch the itch for me at least the last thing i want to i want to ask you about is uh so i'm in a, in a position health-wise where I have a lot of inflammation in my body because um, I have osteoarthritis. I'm waiting on double hip replacement. Uh, I got a lot going on. What would you recommend to somebody who's got a lot of inflammation in their body food-wise? What should I be eating? What should I be focusing on? As far as I understand, as long as your calories are in check, essentially, then and you're losing you're in a reasonable body composition and you're probably okay. So um, there's no real foods in particular, unless there's certain ones that obviously don't interact with you very well. Um, mm -hmm. You're pretty much fine eating whatever, just as long as it doesn't sit badly with you. Cause this stuff's going to be so, you know, individually based. Um, so I would say just try to move as much as you can and eat, opt for more whole foods, but don't, act like processed foods are going to kill you, you know? So, um, just like I said, opt for more whole foods, you know, your basic fruits, vegetables, lean meats, you know, maybe fatty meats if you prefer those and, um, you'll generally be okay. And then just try to keep moving. 
Um, because like a lot of people may think that when they have back pain, the thing to do is rest, but, um, actually you probably want to move around a little bit more because that's going to help, um, it's going to help you kind of loosen up. Like there was, um, some research into back surgeries. And I think what they found is that they were like half of them were effective versus like, um, like the treatments, like when they just kind of told people to do physical activity. Um, I, I think they kind of like both fared the same, which is pretty sad for back surgeries. Yeah. I honestly think for me, like my hip situation, the only reason I can walk is because I move so much. It's because mm-hmm. I'm up. I'm doing like, I exercise every day. I do landscaping. Like I do all kinds of stuff in my the little bit of free time I get. But young I kids. honestly think, yeah, young kids chasing them around. I honestly think moving is the reason that I'm not bedridden. Basically, mm-hmm. the fact that yeah. I'm I'm up and yeah, getting stuff done. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, dude, this was a lot of fun. This was, uh, yeah, I I feel like I learned a lot. Now I'm, yeah. I'm going to feel shame when I go eat jelly beans in about five minutes. No, no, don't, don't at all. Just uh, don't, you know, have a handful. Don't eat the whole fucking bag. That would be uh, my advice. Well, okay, cool. I don't, I, don't, can you, I don't think he has the ability to not. No. Can you mail me some Starburst jelly beans from America, please? Uh, oh, <laughs> Those man. are my favorite. I'll, I'll get right on it. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> no, honestly, uh, dude, it was a lot of fun. Do you have anything you want to plug? Um, no, nah, just, uh, check me out on Twitter, Kyle Matovic, K-Y-L-E-M-A-T-O-V-C-I-K. Um, I'm most active there. I'm on Facebook too. So if you want to send me a friend request there, I'll more than likely answer. If I don't recognize you, then I may not approve you. Um, the band is called a common crown. And then my podcast is called in Liberty and health, where I talk all things, political, intersexual dynamics, geopolitics, um, science surrounding nutrition and health. I pretty much talk about everything. I try to leave no stones unturned. Um, and, uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. This was a lot of fun and hopefully, um, you guys did learn something because I feel like I kind of went all over the place, but, uh, no, I'm, I'm glad I got to hang with you guys. It was cool. That yeah, was awesome. awesome, dude. Thanks a lot. <laughs>